A very good morning to you. It's a quarter past eight, and this is Money Talk with James Ross. Uh, we will now talk to our guests, and uh, I'd like to say a very warm welcome, as ever, on Thursday to Enzio von File, Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield. Uh, good morning, Enzio. Good morning, James. Uh, nice to have you on the show as normal. Let's also say good morning to Charu Chanana, uh, Market Strategist at Saxo Markets. Uh, good morning, Charu. Good morning, James and Enzio. Nice to be with morning. you guys today. Now, what do we make of it? Uh, I suppose not really a great surprise. Uh, the uh, interest rates being uh, kept kept there, uh, being held by the Fed. Uh, NZO, uh, I'm sure you weren't surprised, but do you care? Well, I do to the extent that they did slip in a little comment that went maybe on the buy by some people that they are further removing money from the system by continuing to sell securities, give give securities and thus get money, take it out of the system. And that, in light of what your lady from Wisconsin was just saying about a the possibility of a rougher recession than one might think, is going to really put oil to the fire, especially going into what I call the wheelchair race of an election year. Jerry, were you supply, surprised by uh, Jay Powell and, and the Fed's decision? I would say not really surprised by the direction, but the magnitude, um, especially for the 2024 dot plot, the reduction um, uh, that we saw there in terms of the dovishness. Uh, I think that that was a surprise a little bit. And it comes at a time when, you know, uh, from a macro perspective, certainly, you know, on the growth side, things are looking a little bit better, being driven by, you know, higher activity levels, being driven by all those entertainment event related spendings. Uh, which could be one of and which could, you know, um, go off from your headline numbers pretty quickly as well. So um, I would think uh, it, it was a very delicate uh, decision. And the fact that they've um, surprised on the hawkish side, and like you said, going into that um, election um, uh, talks as well, uh, I, I would be surprised that they might have to walk back on this at some point if growth data really starts to deteriorate from here. Well, some might argue that uh, Jay Powell just covering all bases there, you know, holding it but saying it might go up in the future and, you know, it's going to stay higher. Is is that fair, Charu, would you say? I mean, certainly he is, you know, trying to keep flexibility, even for the 2023, which is so near term now. I mean, retaining another dot, uh, knowing that we have this inflation trends quite entrenched. Certainly, oil prices are playing a little bit of a spoil sport here at this moment, and uh, that's probably the reason they still need to maintain that flexibility. Uh, but I think, yes, I think, you know, the way growth data has been as well, um, uh, there is obviously no urgent need as of now uh, to, you know, steer Darvish, unless, of course, you look beneath the surface. You know, mm. headline numbers certainly proving to be extremely resilient. But if you look at, you know, the small and medium enterprises, you look at the lower and middle income groups, um, so the, from the consumer standpoint as well, uh, certainly, you know, these high interest rates are starting to um, bring some pain to the economy. So, um, mm. I mean, that would have probably warranted, I would say, a little bit of a less hawkish stance, and that right. primarily was a view going into this meeting as well. NGO, you know, is he being ultra conservative at the moment? Is he is he worried that they're going to make a mistake and do something and then be criticised? I think there's a lot of that going on, but I also am very concerned that the Fed continues being doggedly blinkered by its too much money chasing too few goods 
philosophy. In other words, that there are, it's, it's all a money supply problem with inflation. I just think that oil prices and El Nino, La Nina, weather spots, sunspots, these things cannot be, these natural phenomena cannot be controlled by the central bank, yet they keep on saying and pointing to higher oil prices, higher energy prices, obviously, and that. I think, but those are things that they cannot control with OPEC. So, and then the weather they cannot control either. So, I think it's a little bit like trying to repair a car carburetor with a knitting needle. It just doesn't work. <laughs> well, I, I suppose nobody nobody can control the weather. But uh, as far as oil's concerned, you know, there is a concern that that they they really can't control it, and it's out of their control. And in fact, they've used up most of the reserves that uh, have, have cushioned it in the yeah. past, haven't they? Absolutely. But the, the, the point is that the OPEC's and Russia's um, oil decisions have nothing whatsoever to do with U.S. monetary policy. And so to try and to focus U.S. monetary policy on oil price hikes and on food price hikes is really a little bit kind of funny, I think a little bit off beam. Yeah, I mean, inflation seems to be coming down in other places a bit as well. I think we heard overnight that the UK inflation is coming down, maybe food prices dropping uh, a bit, uh, even though fuel costs are are going up. Uh, What about the rest of the world? China um, has kept its uh, benchmark lending rates unchanged, um, uh, as we heard yesterday. Uh, Enzio, what's the impact there, would you say? Well, I think the impact with China has got to be that it will continue slowing the economy until, as their ex-PDOC governor said, the the central government and the local governments decide to really give the private sector a fair shake, an uninterrupted shake at creating employment until the private sector is allowed to do what it's good at, which is to create 80% of urban employment until it's allowed to do that unfettered that economy in in america ain't going nowhere in a hurry i mean cctv as we mentioned earlier on is reporting that uh, beijing is speeding up the introduction of more policies to consolidate economic recovery uh, yeah. citing a, a meeting chaired by premier uh, li chang charo you, you know do you see some some bright spots are they starting to to get their act together uh, to um, you know address the issues of china's economy and certainly what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is that they are uh, digging deeper into their stimulus toolkit, right? I mean, they've gone beyond these rate cut announcements to kind of uh, really doing what, you know, is the best for the property sector. And last Friday, we also saw some measures on the liquidity side. Uh, so certainly they're trying to expand the kind of measures that they bring about to bring that recovery uh, in the economy. Uh, and I think they have, they are now being extremely mindful of the pressure on the Chinese yuan as well. And uh, probably that's the, that's one of the reasons that why they are staying away from interest rate cuts primarily, you know, the price of money, uh, and focusing probably a little bit more on direct impact measures or liquidity measures and the like. So, uh, from where I see it, of course, given where valuations are, you know, how cheap uh, everything's looking right now, th- there is probably a tactical case for China right now. But I would be highly selective, you know, to stay in sectors and industries which are getting that government support. 
um, and to be really fair on a structural basis. Um, I mean, I think there are just way too many headwinds facing the Chinese economy right now. So I think caution really is warranted there. Uh, should we be worried and should the government, the Chinese government, uh, NZO, be worried about the uh, state of the yuan at the moment? Well, I think so, because if it keeps on sagging, which it will, because nobody, again, because of my central problem, forget all the, the stimulus measures. They can they can issue another 55 billion stimulus measures until they decide to let the private sector do its job of creating jobs. The economy cannot grow. Fund managers will continue removing their funds from China. The foreign direct investors will continue removing their monies from China. In other words, also not growing their monies in China. Of course, the one will sag. Capital fight will continue. Uh, turning, you know, to, to other central banks, you know, the Bank of England, I think, also going to make a, uh, a rates announcement uh, later today. Charu, what, do you, what is your expectation there? I mean, uh, looking at what we saw out of the the inflation data yesterday, right? I mean, of course, a lot of it was driven by food prices, and we've discussed how volatile that can be and out of really, you know, control of the central banks. But certainly that data has kind of, you know, uh, uh, put the expectations of um, a hike from the Bank of England today into, you know, um, uh, into some surprises could be possible. Uh, so I think, um, you know, I mean, it is really a time where it will be really difficult for the Bank of England to throw in a hawkish surprise, you know, whether they hike or they don't, to really come out as hawkish um, uh, in interpretation would be difficult. Um, and we've seen a little bit of a shift in rhetoric as well from uh, some of the key officials of the Bank of England, primarily because I think there have been reports that were saying that, uh, you know, UK's confidence in the central bank has uh, slipped to record lows because of high inflation, because of the pressures on cost of living as well. Uh, so I think it's really difficult to call for a vote split. I think it's becoming a really close decision what we uh, see today. Uh, and yesterday, you know, before the CPI print, actually, I was kind of questioning that whether the markets are really underpricing the risk of a pause from the Bank of England. While those expectations have now been revised, we've come down from expecting um, uh, a hike with 80% probability to now um, less than 50% probability. Right. Uh, but like I said, you know, even if we were to see a hike, really to get a hawkish, um, you know, interpretation of that meeting will remain really difficult. Enzio, you know, I suppose most central banks would uh, would like to say that they're pretty independent and make their own decisions without looking at anybody else. But uh. but how much would you say that something like the someone like the Bank of England would look at the Fed's decision today and, and have an impact on what they do uh, later today? Well, I've got a preference. I don't cover the, the European economies, so I really focus on China and U.S., but I think, of course, they will all have to look at each other a little bit because of the exchange rate equation. And if the English get or the, the British get too much out of kilter, so to speak, with the Americans, then, of course, that has massive uh, exchange rate implications. But I'm not really qualified to talk about the Bank of England policy sure. for sake of but, but how much does China, do you think, look at the U.S.? I mean, if, if at all? Well, it does, but it doesn't really need to at this stage because the... Chinese economic time is very different to America's. America still has an excess demand for goods, and the Chinese have an excess supply of goods. 
so they don't really need to focus too much on America at this stage. I think their own problems are not headwinds, but they're whirlpools. They're problems within China. And again, my key one to reiterate is that the government there is not allowing the private sector to do its job unfettered to create employment and thus in, in income confidence, that, which will get people spending again. So for investors outside China, you know, is there an opportunity yet? Is, is that on the horizon you know, to get back in there? Absolutely not. You're, they will be <laughs> playing with fire because nobody knows if and when the government, which has, a, according to articles that I'm reading, has a very Marxist ideological bent, whether it will ever decide to actually just give free reign to the private sector. I don't think we're going to see a Deng Xiaoping just around the corner. I don't think, think there will be a sudden change of heart at the Chinese main or local leadership to reverse that policy to, again, become market-driven. And that's, the big, that's why people are leaving, are leaving China. So is it going to be more of the same, would you say, for, for the next, uh, what, one to two years, maybe longer? Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's because it depends, and I, I, I have little faith or little hope that there will be a very strong ideological shift to pragmatism yet again. Even the shift to, to COVID, even the shift from COVID didn't really do the trick, I must say. It's still stuttering, that economy. Uh, well, let's wait and see. Well, let's say thank you very much to uh, our guest this morning, Enzio von Feil, Capital Preservation Specialist at uh, Financial Shield, and also to uh, Charu Chanana, uh, Market Strategist at Saxo Markets.